My testimony isn't about an amazing conversion. It's about hope and humility. It's about the grace and work of Jesus Christ in my life. It's about a daily surrender to the one who can give true peace that surpasses my little understanding. I have found freedom and I'm finally alive. I have a story that more people can relate with than I ever thought possible. In most ways, I'm an average person. From the outside looking in, I may look like any other stay-at-home mom and wife. I'm learning not to compare my insides to other people's outsides. Tonight, I'm going to expose my insides, my deeper, darker side. This is my story, a story of redemption, healing, and daily surrendering through Jesus, excuse me, through trusting my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in everything. I was saved when I was young, eight or nine. I don't remember the time, the day, where I was, or who I was with. This has become a great source of disbelief and doubt in my life. All I know is that I was blessed to be born into a Christian family and grow up in a strong Bible-believing church. There has never been a day where I did not know who Jesus was or that he died for me and loved me. There have been more days than I would care to admit that I didn't believe that Jesus could love me or why he ever would. I don't doubt the cross, the resurrection, or the trinity. I don't doubt that any of the Bible is true. I doubt myself and my worth. I have feelings that are so strong and real that I constantly confuse them with the truth and reality. I have struggled with such severe self-hatred that has spun the truth into lies. My battle is with my mind and what my thoughts tell me. My fight is against myself and my emotions. Sometimes I am my own worst enemy. Because of how I feel, I interpret that as not being saved. Through the grace of God and teaching of otherwise Christians, I have otherwise Christians, I have learned to differentiate between the feelings, the lies, and the truth. I daily have to speak truth to myself against these very loud, very provocative, and seemingly true lies. When you hear a lie in your own voice over and over again, it's hard to believe it's not true and to be able to rebuke it. The devil is very real and very strong. He knows my weaknesses and has many a foothold on me. Over the last two years, my weaknesses have been very obvious, and he has taken advantage of me and allowed me to become miserable and feel more lonely, vulnerable, afraid, and hopeless than I ever have before. When I was 19, a freshman in college, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. On my way home from the doctors that day, I knew my life would never be the same. Slightly relieved to finally know what was wrong with me, I was more afraid of my future than hopeful. I'd been dating Chad, my now husband, for less than a year at the time, and thought for sure he would break up with me once I told him. I thought I'd never finish college, never hold down a job, have a career, or a husband, much less ever have children. Not with my new list of medications in my hand. It had already been over three years since my symptoms started. On and off dozens of meds, I endured a cycle of 10 days of deep, debilitating depression, rendering me lifeless, followed by 10 days of unexplained euphoria, energy, unrealistic optimism, and dangerous happiness for two years. I had exhausted myself and my parents. I didn't want to go on. It was doubting and questioning my faith and salvation that saved my life. I was afraid to die as long as I was unsure of my salvation in Christ, but when I was sure of it, I didn't want to die. The cycle of doubt and assurance went on and on for years. Suicidal and hopeless when depressed, 
unstoppable, invincible, independent and confident in all things, including my faith, while in a state of mania. I didn't find mental stability until after I was married. Six years of doctor visits, changes in a variety of strong medicines, an evaluation at Johns Hopkins, and finally, and finding an amazing Christian psychiatrist and therapist finally brought stability in my life that I had been looking for since I was 16. I'd been married for one year, had a great job as a full-time nanny, and was part of a wonderful growing church and small group. My life was good for about the next three years. I still had highs and lows, ups and downs, but not as extreme as in the past. It was now February of 2011, and Chad and I were in our fourth year of marriage. We couldn't avoid the topic of kids anymore. I talked to my doctors and decided to begin the journey of tapering off my medicine to try and get pregnant. It took over six months to get completely off my med, so by September we were ready to start trying. We thought we'd get pregnant within six months or so. God had another plan. Five weeks later, I was pregnant. Three false pregnancy tests and a positive blood test told me that I was six weeks pregnant. Shock, excitement, and much anxiety all flooded my soul. The middle of October brought panic attacks, anxiety, nervousness, and depression that I hadn't experienced in a really long time. It was amazing how much I had forgotten. It also didn't help that our budget was a little tighter than we had anticipated. The next few months were very dark, bleak, and hopeless. And I'm not just talking about the weather. I started having severe suicidal thoughts after the new year. I wanted my life to end as I felt so numb. I just didn't want to live this way anymore. I felt nothing. No joy, no happiness, nothing. A low dose of Prozac in my second trimester took the edge off, but it was a book that my mom gave me. A gentle reminder and challenge to be thankful in all things that brought me the saving grace I needed to make it through the next five months. One Thousand Gifts was the title. Ann Voskamp was the author, and her website of daily blogs called A Holy Experience was just the medicine I needed. She had started something called a joy dare, and I took it. Find three things every day to be thankful for. In the beginning, it seemed impossible, but once I got started, I couldn't stop. It wasn't anything big, simple things, running water, heat, my sweatshirt, yogurt. I was starting to see things through the eyes of my creator and not the eyes of negativity. God gave me the strength and grace to pull my weighted body out of bed every morning, wipe the tears off my cheeks, turn on my praise songs, and sing. I would oftentimes begin my day by visually putting on the armor of God. I would imagine starting with my head, put on the helmet of salvation, and ask God to guard my mind from Satan's darts. And I go all the way down to the shoes for my feet, which is the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I forced myself to play the piano every day as I was still teaching 15 students a week. I walked to the fitness center and got on the treadmill daily and just prayed. I was often by myself and would pray out loud with the music blaring. Going through the alphabet and naming the attributes of God was something I started to do during my workouts. God was my workout partner. He was always with me. I never missed a step. He gave me the physical strength to endure and press on, to forget what was behind me. He helped me to focus on what was ahead and the gift that was inside of me. I learned to focus on Jesus, my husband, and my unborn child more than myself. Without those three people, I might not be here to tell this story. I memorized scripture and wrote verses on cards, which I strategically placed on mirrors, my fridge, and above the sink so I was surrounded by the truth. I treasured God's word in my heart and carried them with me everywhere. 
So when I didn't know what to say or what to think, I spoke his words, sometimes out loud, even if I was alone. I breathed in his beauty and out his truth. Proverbs 3, Philippians 4, Ephesians 6, and Romans 8 became my life chapters. I read them every morning over a bowl of oatmeal and ginger tea. I was physically nauseous and emotionally drained, but every day God was there. He was faithful and gave me new mercies each day. I called my mom every morning and spoke with my dear friends several times a week. They would pray over me on the phone and fill me with words of encouragement when I felt like I couldn't go on. Although I felt like I was wasting away physically and emotionally, spiritually, my cup overflowed. I visualized Psalm 23 every night when I was scared and couldn't sleep because of the insomnia that was taking over my body and the racing thoughts that took over my mind. I changed my diet and my habits. This changed the life that I once knew into one that could better help me survive. Getting sunshine and listening to music, among other things, became the weapons in my arsenal. In February, I told the families of my piano students that I was pregnant. I lost some students and let some go, as I knew I would only teach about five come the next fall. It was very hard, and I grew through that humility, but the lessons learned were priceless. God was molding me into the woman he wanted, the woman I could not have become if I had had the physical medicines to lean on as my crutch. I thank God for providing us with the option of medicine, as I now know that I will always need something to help the chemical imbalances that go on in my brain and body. In mid-April, after coming home from a week in Florida, I started to get manic. I was to immediately stop taking Prozac, as all antidepressants intensify episodes of mania and can be the cause of some. I had an elevated mood, was not sleeping as well or as much, but had a higher energy level than I had had in months. I was excited and elated about everything, talking at a much greater speed and volume, moving fast, doing a lot more. I was very creative. These things were great, but along with this came less focus, a tendency to be distracted, the desire to spend more money, unreliability, irritability, sensitivity, moodiness, and impatience. As each week went on, my symptoms intensified as it was now spring, and I was off all my mood stabilizers. Chad and I fought and disagreed more. There was a lot of tension and stress on us that had never been there before. Yes, we were closing on a house and needed to move in less than two months, but even with that, the wall that was between us was so thick it could, be, it could not be broken. Come May, it was my birthday, and we were slowly moving things, packing up our townhouse, registering for baby things. It was my last month of teaching before a summer break, and trips back and forth to the house were now a daily occurrence. There were repairs and painting that needed to be done to our over 100-year-old home. There were multiple baby showers and so much anticipation of our little boy's arrival at the end of June. I could have just burst. With excitement and again with overwhelming anxiety. I started to become overtaken by fear of the unknown. Overwhelmed by daily tasks, I felt like it was October all over again. I was having a lot of contractions and starting to get very uncomfortable and I still had weeks to go. The week before we moved, Memorial Day, I was even more manic than before. After our move, the stress on Chad and me was palpable. June had now arrived, and with that, my maternity leave had begun. Feeling relieved but pressured by the inevitable, I was trying to relax and prepare for Ellen. I was very moody. I was up, I was down. I was experiencing a mixed episode of mania and depression. Anxiety and irritability were increasing daily. By the middle of June, I was just anxious. Owen came a week early on June 23rd, early in the morning. 
It took less than eight hours post-delivery for all of my emotions to flood over me. I was overwhelmed with this great responsibility. I was anxious, depressed, and zombie-like. It was now time to come home from the hospital. I had had a traumatic delivery and had much physical healing ahead of me. I was in a lot of pain and had a hard time sitting and being comfortable. I couldn't walk up the stairs, so I lived downstairs for a couple of weeks. Nursing was difficult as Ellen was a lazy eater. Sleep deprivation, deprivation was something I had never experienced before, and we didn't get along. My mind took more of a toll than my fading body. I couldn't keep up with my nutrition or weight, and when Owen was just seven weeks old, I fell into a psychosis and was in the hospital for a sodium deficiency. I didn't know there was such a thing as sodium psychosis, but that is what I had. Two days later, I started experiencing paranoia and hallucinations. I called my doctor and was put on an antipsychotic. I stopped nursing and got back on all of my medicines. The drugs helped, but I was back in a full-fledged episode of mania, now with an eight-week-old son to care for. I wasn't sleeping much, but I had lots of energy and a lot to distract me. Afraid of not being able to care for Owen on my own, I reached out to GBF. The help from the women of the church was overwhelming. They were amazing and cared for me without a thought. For two weeks, I had someone with me from 8 to 5 until Chad was home. It was wonderful, and I am so grateful to this day. God had us right where we belonged. Plus, with all the food these ladies made us, I didn't have to cook for two months. <laughs> there was always something to be thankful for, even after a diagnosis of postpartum psychosis. I was afraid to be alone with Owen, afraid to have Chad leave, and didn't want to be around anyone but Chad or my mom. I was in a very lonely place. After the meals stopped and the visits stopped, we were back to just the three of us. There was even more conflict and confrontation between Chad and me. I started staying up late on purpose, staying up until 1.30 or 2 a.m. without Chad knowing it, then going to bed for a few hours and getting up around 6 with Owen. Chad thought I was sleeping the whole time. In actuality, I was allowing my mania to control my thoughts and my actions. Last summer, I experienced episodes of paranoia with hallucinations during an episode of mania. Ever since, all my manic episodes are accompanied with paranoia, much of which is spent being haunted by memories of the hallucinations I had during the initial episode of my psychosis. I've been blessed with a Christian counselor who has helped me to work through these bad memories and replace them with better ones. My paranoia is very real. It's caused by a severe chemical imbalance. But because I am a Christian living with the Holy Spirit inside of me, Satan uses these times to torment me and tries relentlessly to take a hold of me and pull me down into the pit, paralyzing me with utter terror. The night I experienced hallucinations, they were very dark and demented. I couldn't shut my eyes without seeing screaming faces coming toward me. This went on all night. I was very restless falling in and out of a deep sleep, awakening, gasping for air, occasionally screaming at the top of my lungs into my pillow. I told Chad to bring Owen into our room and stay with us. Chad was up all night, praying and singing hymns of praise. He was casting out this evil in Jesus' name. I'm sorry. I saw black figures coming up our staircase. But the more Chad sang and prayed, smaller they got. And I saw them weaving, and they were outside our house trying to get in, but they weren't able to get in through some sort of invisible burial. I believe that angels were guarding our house that night.
Thankfully, I've not had any other hallucinations since that night. Paranoia revisits during repeated episodes of mania, so I have to work through that. I had a short, severe episode of mania last February and a more extensive one this March, but I'm learning to fight these thoughts of paranoia and these feelings of fear. Quoting scripture out loud has become my sword. Prayer is my shield. I've experienced the Holy Spirit coming upon me in a way that I can only explain as a divine intervention. I have breathed out the word of God and I have seen demonic creatures run and cower away. I visualize Jesus holding my hand and walking beside me, allowing me to fight and be fought for. I've seen his footsteps behind me as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I've been empowered through his strength and his grace. And I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, nor anything else in all of creation can separate me from his love. I believe that I will receive real, deep peace, a peace that transcends all things after giving up and casting my cares, my fears, and my worries to Jesus. This has happened day after day, moment after moment. I couldn't and wouldn't go downstairs at night by myself after this. It took months to even be able to walk down the hall in the middle of the night to feed him. Chad had to bring him to me in our room during the night for me to feed him. I was too haunted from my memories. I'm working through these bad memories to this day. I focus on different visualizations so I will not be controlled by these bad things. Over the next few days and weeks, I was slowly able to go feed Owen in his room and eventually go downstairs and be alone in the house at night with Chad's help. I had to take back the staircase, covering it with quotes, pictures, scripture, and artwork. I still say verses and pray when these thoughts overtake me. I think it's going to be a lifelong process. The day after Christmas 2012, I started to feel very anxious and depressed. I was crying a lot moody and irritable. We were at my parents for the week, which made it even harder, as Owen was out of his normal routine and sleeping pattern. By the middle of January, I had only gotten worse. I had gotten to the point of not getting dressed on days I didn't work and not leaving the house at all. Not because I didn't want to, but because physically I couldn't. I was under the spell and grip of fear. Borderline agoraphobic, I had to call my therapist to make an appointment. Owen and myself were both at risk if this behavior continued on. I felt stuck in every possible way. I didn't want to live like this anymore. Feeling broken down, lifeless, and tired of fighting, I avoided friends, and I didn't go anywhere. I was too afraid to even go to the store, so Chad would stop on the way home for groceries. I continued to teach, but had panic attacks before leaving. I was afraid of driving, especially at night, and felt very anxious about everything. I had lost the last ounce of self-esteem and confidence in what I did. I felt like I was losing myself. All I had worked for over this last year seemed like a fleeting memory. I was having a hard time concentrating, so I stopped reading my Bible. I would focus on just one verse each day, as that is all that I could comprehend. But a small bite was all that I could handle and all that I needed. God can use even a sentence to change your thinking. Since having Owen, my manic episodes are accompanied by these strong, gripping fears. 
I feel creepy, crawly, tingly sensations from my feet to my head. I feel like I'm being watched. A strong demonic presence is palpable at times. When I cast out fear in the name of Jesus, however, I'm overcome with peace. I started seeing my therapist in February again after a manic episode while in Florida the middle of that month. I forced myself to go to the grocery store by myself and ended up crying in the aisles, dizzy with feelings of overwhelm over picking out a box of cereal. I knew I needed help. I couldn't live like this anymore. I continued to have my medication increased, but it just didn't seem to be working like it had before I was pregnant. I was frustrated and my doctor was dumbfounded. The blood levels were much lower than they had been before, even on this higher dose. In the middle of March, right around the first of spring, I woke up feeling full of hope. It was a nice feeling, but I knew it was coming. Sure enough, another episode of mania and paranoia was upon me. It had been less than a month since my last episode, and I wasn't ready to go through this again. I was tired before it even began. Sleepless nights, irritability, loss of focus, and feeling just feeling dangerously distracted. I was afraid to be with Owen. I got more help from GBF for the week, and after that, I started to feel a little bit better, less symptomatic as I got more sleep. The prayers of my sisters in Christ were answered. Sleep is the one natural medicine for mania, and it slows the mind, as it slows the mind down. Later that month, I was feeding Owen in the middle of the night in his room. I started to feel afraid, like I was no longer alone. I visualized Jesus standing next to me with his hand on me and his arm around me. I visualized angels in all corners of the room, and I said out loud, I am with you. And I knew that God was right there with me. When walking back to the room, Jesus was behind me, shielding me and surrounding me. I see in my mind's eyes creatures with tails, cowering and running away. I get bigger, taller, stronger, and they become smaller and weaker, scared. These creatures tremble at Jesus' name. They run away. They aren't allowed to be in my house, my mind, or my body. They will have no power over me. Jesus was and is fighting a very real battle for me. He will continue to and will conquer these episodes as long as I ask in humble faith. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes I say to myself, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God for you. Satan has the power to take my tangible fears and to make them fears of the unseen world, which is terrifying. But God always gives me a way out through his strength and grace. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gave, God gave me a spirit not of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-control. There is no fear in love, only perfect love casts out fear which is in 1 John 4.18. I am finally alive and free in Christ, free from bondage and chains. Christ has broken my chains that weigh me down with fear and depression. I continue to struggle with these emotions to this day, and I know that I will always have a tendency toward these feelings. It's part of who I am, and it's part of my illness. This is what God has allowed in my life. You may have similar struggles, or maybe yours are of a vastly different nature. Whatever it is that entices you and pulls you away from love, joy, and peace can and will be destroyed through the strength and grace of Jesus Christ. I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble and sorrows, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. John 16, 33.
I've mentioned the impact and gift that music has been in my life. One of Hillsong United's songs has been of a great encouragement to me. The words say, I'm not going to live by what I see. I'm not going to live by what I feel. Deep down, I know that you're here with me. I know that you can do anything. Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things. For it's you who give me strength. Nothing is impossible. Through you, blind eyes are open. Strongholds are broken. I am living by faith. Nothing is impossible. It's easy for me to get wrapped up in feelings. I'm a very emotional person by nature and tend to wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm overly sensitive and take things too seriously and personally, more often than I'd like. But this is my tendency. This is how God made me. I'm more empathetic toward others because of it. Feelings can trick me and lie to me if I'm not careful. But feelings are also from God. Knowing the difference between the truth and a feeling is difficult, but God can give you wisdom to know this. I have learned that the way I feel is not what determines my salvation. Jesus came to save weak, poor souls like me. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. I have an illness, a mental illness. I'm thankful it is not something that can take my life, but it has come close to sucking the life out of me. It is very real and very hard. It is the cross that I bear daily. Through small steps of faith, God has brought me to this point. I no longer have to doubt my salvation or try to win his love. I am good enough, just as I am, as a daughter of the king. Thank you.